Welcome, everybody, to a Spits and Suds one-timer preview. And we're so excited to talk Stars versus Bruins. Quite the tilt happening on Monday evening at the American Airlines Center. Should be a good one. And joining us from a very popular podcast in um, in Boston and our very own Odyssey app, it's the Skate Podcast and host Scott McLaughlin. How are you, Scott? I'm good, Gavin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So it is fascinating from afar because, you know, in the offseason, we were kind of, when we talked NHL, we said, all right, the Bruins have lost David Krejci. They've lost Patrice Bergeron. What's going to happen with the Bruins? And it just seems like every year people count the Bruins out and it's just locked and loaded. Here come the Bruins again, off to an amazing start. Yeah, even even around here, some people were counting them out. There was a lot of, you know, do the should they blow it up? Do they have to retool or even rebuild? Is it going to be uh, a bridge year, the dreaded bridge year? And so far, it hasn't. You know, they didn't do any of that this off season, and it certainly has not been a bridge year so far. They're off to a nine zero and one start, and uh, you know that they did have a little bit of an easy schedule early on. But now that's it's gotten tougher over the last week, and they've beat teams like the Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers and uh, the Red Wings, who who were off to a pretty hot start. So the competition has picked up for them, and they still keep winning. Yeah, big overtime win against the Leafs because the Leafs came in here about a week ago and played a really you know and the Stars were streaking at the time, and the Maple Leafs controlled that game. The the Maple Leafs are a really, really good team, so I was excited to watch that matchup against the Bruins, and uh, you know it lived up to uh, the billing. I-, I wanted to get your thoughts and what the overall thoughts were in Beantown when you had a record-breaking season and Jim Montgomery, former Dallas Stars coach, took over and all was well, and then a tough loss in the playoffs, albeit just Florida just took over the playoffs, so I don't know if it was a Boston situation as much as it was a Florida Panther streaking situation. But what was the feeling heading into this season, and is that feeling back now where it's like, here we go again, or is there a little trepidation based on what happened so well during the regular season only to get knocked out in the playoffs? Yeah, I think there's still quite a bit of trepidation. I think people are a little cautious when it comes to really buying in uh, you know, a lot of people around here learned, learned the hard way last year that the regular season doesn't mean a whole lot. If you can't follow it up with playoff success. And obviously the Bruins were not able to follow it up in the playoffs last year, uh, fall into the Panthers in the first round, blowing a three, one series lead, which, you know, is it, on the one hand, like, yes, the Panthers went streaking and were great for the next several rounds, get all the way to the cup final. On the other hand, Bruins were up three games to one and had third period leads in both game six and game seven. So around here, it really was a feeling of a collapse. It wasn't just, you know, tip of the cap to the Panthers, you know, hey, they got hot, nothing we can do. It was, wow, what what went wrong for the Bruins? Like it was a total collapse disaster. Um, Just really bitter taste in everyone's mouth over the summer and going into this year, you know, I think expectations were certainly lowered quite a bit. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of people sort of who kind of follow the NHL felt like 
they should still be a playoff team, but would it be more as maybe the third team in the division or even a wild card? Uh, I don't think anyone expected that they'd be, you know, among the best teams in the league again or first place in the Eastern Conference. This has certainly been a start that, you know, I don't think too many people around here anticipated. And one of those surprises, and we had it here in Dallas last year with Wyatt Johnston making the jump from juniors all the way to the NHL. Stars, I mean, Johnston made it easy for the Stars to say, that's okay, we'll keep him here. Well, you guys have a situation with that, and you guys are going to keep him. 19-year-old Matt Poitra, and he was a second-round pick in 2022. Ten games, five points as we tape this podcast. Uh, Really nice third-line center uh, who's really done a nice job for you guys. Yeah. And he's, he's even moved up to the second line or even the first line at times. Wow. So there's, there were a couple games recently that he was centering a line with David Posternock and Pavel Zaka. So they've sort of moved him all around, but he's looked good everywhere he's been. Uh, he has really good vision, high hockey IQ, just looks very calm and confident with the puck on his stick. And what's really stood out in his, Jim Montgomery has said it's the biggest reason he's he's sticking around is just his compete level. He just never gives up on a play. He's he's really tenacious on second, third efforts. Um, you know, well, it, he's five foot eleven, one eighty. That's what he's listed at. I'm not convinced that's even entirely accurate. But he'll get in there and he'll get his nose dirty. Um, you know, he got into a couple kind of after the whistle exchanges against Toronto Thursday night like he's he's not afraid to mix it up either so that he's really done everything well and uh just like with Johnston with Dallas last year like he he made it easy on the Bruins uh, yeah ultimately it wasn't really much of a decision at all he's been helping them win games and fills an obvious need after Bergeron and Krejci retired so there was you know by the time you got to that ninth tenth game there was not much of a decision to be made Charlie McAvoy currently appealing the suspension as we tape this. What'd you think of the hit? Yeah, it wasn't a good hit at all. It, it was, it was late. It was you know away from the puck, and it was directly to the head. And you, you just just can't do that. You know, I don't, I don't think Charlie McAvoy is a dirty player. I don't think he's out there head hunting. He's he is a very physical player. He throws a lot of checks, and I would say ninety nine point nine percent of them during his career have been clean and hard, but this is now the second time he's been suspended for getting someone in the head. Uh, The other one was in 2019 in the playoffs. So, you know, now he's going to have that, that repeat offender status. And, you know, that first one, I think did factor into this one, maybe, you know, might've only been two or three games if it wasn't for that, but he gets four and, you know, even around here, I think the feeling for most fans and, and analysts is that it was probably deserved. Like you said, he's, he's appealing, you know, we'll see once we get news on, on how that goes, but I don't think too many people expect it to be reduced. It seems like the, the four was earned. And you guys signed uh defense veteran, Kevin Shattenkirk in the uh, off season. How's he been on the blue line? He's been solid. Uh, you know, he came in basically asked to, to play in the third pairing and he's compared it to sort of the situation he walked into in Tampa when he won a cup there as a third pairing defenseman. Uh, Then obviously, you know, he signed a a pretty nice contract in Anaheim, but 
that was a rebuilding situation. And he said, you know, at, at a certain point, you kind of, as a veteran, you get, you get sick of that and you want to go back to a contender. So he was happy to come to, come to Boston this summer. He played college hockey at Boston university. So he knows the area. Um, but yeah, he's been solid so far and he's had to, he had to step up big time on Thursday because not just with McAvoy suspended, but Matt Grizzly is out injured and Derek Forbert was out injured. So three regular defensemen out Shattenkirk was playing top four minutes. He was over 20 minutes and, uh, and had a good game. So he's still, he still has that in him that he can be effective in, in a bigger role too. But when the Bruins are fully healthy, you'd stick him as, you know, basically their fifth or sixth defenseman. And I think he's, I think he's really solid in that role. You know, one of the things that I'm excited about on Monday night is the goaltending matchup. And you guys have the Vesner Trophy winner and Linus uh, Allmark, but Jeremy Swayman's played unbelievable for you guys. Your one-two tandem's amazing. But this guy for the Dallas Stars, a two-part question. Jake Ottinger loves playing against two teams he loves playing against, Minnesota Wild, where he's from, grew up about 45 minutes outside of the arena, and then the Boston Bruins attending Boston University playing in the bean pot. Those two cities are special to him. Did you hear much about Jake Ottinger when he was at BU and from a distance, you know, what are your thoughts on the Stars netminder? Yeah, I'm I'm a BU alum myself. So oh, I uh, right. heard there a lot about Ottinger, saw him a lot when he was in college. And I think it, it was always clear that the talent was there. At times in college, he was he he was a little inconsistent. He'd he would have some off nights and you'd watch him and you'd say, you, there'd be times that he was just awesome and you'd be like, All right, there it is. Like that's that's what Jake Gottinger is. And then he'd have, you know, sort of just an okay game. And I was like, huh, where'd that great goalie go? Uh, but you knew if he could put it together and find the consistency that he was going to be really good. And obviously he has in Dallas now. Maybe it took getting to the pros for, you know, for that consistency to come. But certainly, you know, he has evolved into one of the best goalies in the league and, you know, playing more of a true number one role than, what we see here in Boston yeah. with Allmark and Swayman, who certainly they're two of the best goalies in the league as well, but also have kind of the benefit of splitting time with each other and having this tandem going, you know, now two years running. Uh, so far this season, it's been at an exact split. It's just been alternating games through through 10 games. And the way that they're playing the Bruins will probably continue to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so either way, it looks like, you know, probably lines up to be Swayman Monday in Dallas. But either way, yeah, just a great goalie matchup. And we're seeing that where the stars have come out. Pete DeBoer said that they're going to rest Jake Ottinger at time. They felt as though he played too much last year. Scott Wedgwood uh, played a great game against Edmonton, has played really well in a backup role. So if he can stay healthy, I think they're trying to replicate what Boston's doing as far as keeping your goalie fresh. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to see, you know, if if more teams try to. the, You know, there were rooms around here that the Bruins might look to trade one of those guys over the summer. You know, Jeremy Swayman was, was due a pay raise and ended up going to arbitration, which is you know, not really an ideal situation for anyone, but I think the Bruins now have, I think they're now fifth in the NHL in terms of 
cap money invested in goaltending, but it's certainly been worth it for them, uh, at least in the regular season. It becomes a different conversation come playoffs. You know, last year they went away from their rotation and tried to just ride Allmark. It didn't really work. He was a little banged up. He kind of wore down as that series against Florida went on. So it'll become a really interesting decision again down the stretch of this year. But for now, they're certainly reaping the benefits of having two really good goalies that they can just bounce back and forth and keep fresh. So these two teams uh, play twice a year. Dallas is a very transient city, Dallas-Fort Worth. A lot of people from the Northeast have moved down here, an original six city. So you do get a lot of Bruins fans in the house. Um, so it should be, a, you know, it, it's always loud and uh, crazy. It'll be definitely be a sellout crowd at the AAC. But the flip side, are you guys paying attention to Dallas? And what are your overall thoughts on the Stars? Because, you know, they're not in your conference, but at the same time, Western Conference Finals last year and considered one of the favorites as far as coming out of the West. Yeah, I think the the one obvious connection that still grabs the attention of fans around here is Tyler Sagan. Is it still? Which is it you know, still? It's, it's certainly not what it once was. Yep. You know, ten years ten years after the trade, which is crazy just to think about it being that long. Yeah. But yeah, he's he does still you know draw eyeballs around here, and uh, I think people are still interested from afar. Not you know all, the the days of of everyone getting worked up about the trade and Bruins not getting enough back and seeing Sagan being one of the leading scorers in the league, like that's gone. Obviously, you know, Sagan's not quite that player. The trade was so long ago that I don't think Bruins fans are putting a whole lot of thought into, you know, what they did or didn't get back at this point, but there is still interest there. You know, he, he did help them win a Stanley cup. He, didn't play every game during that 2011 run, but when he did come in in the Eastern Conference Finals, he he came up big. He played a huge role in that series. So people still remember that, and they, they certainly still remember uh, the reputation he earned during the celebrations that summer because <laughs> that, that stuck with him for a while. Okay, so I wanted to just mention that because he gets traded to the Stars and becomes... A massive part of the DFW community does charity, you know, fits right in. And, you know, I know that reputation was there in Boston. However, when I was watching Behind the Bee, um, the documentary on the Bruins, and they were all sitting at a table discussing the future. And from what I gathered, it was a decision on whether to extend David Krejci and using that money and therefore they had to let go of Sagan. Has that narrative changed or do most people still think that Sagan was traded based on his off-ice activities? So I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think there there certainly were some concerns about, you know, is he not even necessarily is he partying too much, although that was part of it, but I think just was he focused enough in general? Was he working hard enough? Um you know, he he had some growing up to do. And to his credit, it certainly seems like he's done it in Dallas. Um, but yeah, there were also there were on ice considerations. He had they the Bruins are just coming off the 2013 playoffs at the time when they lost to Chicago in the cup final. And Sagan had a very quiet postseason, a very quiet Stanley Cup final, and there were concerns about, you know, 
why wasn't he able to elevate on the big stage? So there, you know, there was a lot. Um, the The financial part of it was interesting because he was under contract at the time and yep. was on a really team friendly deal for I think two more years. Yep. But eventually, yeah, eventually there would have been a decision to face about you know locking him up long term, big money how that would have worked with Krejci who was up on a contract right around that time as well. Um, And then just, was he going to play center or wing? That was a big debate at the time because Bruins had Bergeron and Krejci and the thing, and obviously was Sagan's too talented to be a third line center. So does he have to be a wing? Is there going to be room at center at some point? Um, So it just, you know, he had such an encouraging start to his career here culminating in the cup in 2011 and then it just sort of seemed like he never never quite had a home although that there you know for a time when he was right wing on a line with Bergeron and Martian that was a really good line for them but they kind of went away from that during the 2013 playoffs because they were struggling to score and, and Sagan was having a really quiet postseason All right, let's talk about this coaching carousel because Boston and Dallas are involved, and I throw Vegas in the mix, and I'm just going to try to keep up with this. Okay, so Jim Montgomery leaves the Stars and ends up with the Bruins. The person that replaced him was assistant coach Rick Bonus, who used to coach for the Bruins. Then Bruce Cassidy is let go prior to Montgomery arriving, goes to Vegas. He replaces Pete DeBoer, who's now in Dallas. Wow. So a lot of uh, Boston and Dallas connections. I guess the question is, is that coming off that disappointing playoff performance up 3-1 and then seeing Bruce Cassidy go on and win a cup for Vegas, were there murmurs within the Bruins community as far as we should have kept Cassidy or are they happy with Monty? Yeah, I would say... Within the Bruins organization, not so much. I think they were they were comfortable with the decision that they made. But among Bruins fans and certainly in media around here, there was a lot of, you know, hey, did the Bruins make a mistake getting rid of Cassidy? And that went that went back starting to when the decision was made because there were an awful lot of people who did not think he deserved to be fired, who felt like he was being scapegoated for um shortcomings on the roster which is more of a general manager thing and you know Cassidy he was a great coach here and won a lot and you know had the one really deep playoff run in 2019 getting to the cup final uh generally they at least got out of the first round until until his last season here was the first time in I think five years that they hadn't won at least a round um so yeah, there was there was a lot of that. And, you know, Montgomery had a he had a tough playoff series against Florida. There was a lot of lineup juggling and changing things around that didn't really work. And there were questions about, you know, did he stick with Linus Elmark too long, which it, it ended up looking like he did. So he got he got some criticism for how that playoff series went. And then you see Cassie go on and win the cup in Vegas and yeah, that that didn't sit well with a lot of people around here. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of feeling like you, it kind of rubbed it in, and seeing Cassidy bring the Stanley Cup back to Massachusetts over the summer, 
for for a great cause. Um, you know, they use it to to launch a, a charity around nice. here, but it was sort of just more more salt in the wound uh, for some Bruins fans. So, you know, I think overall there's still a good amount of happiness with Montgomery, and I think the Bruins organization is very happy with them. Um, regular season last year was smooth sailing all the way this season. It's been a great start, but there will be, he'll have questions to answer come playoffs. And I think there will certainly be fans who are going to take, you know, you got to prove it to me kind of approach. They, they saw Bruce Cassidy coach the Bruins on a deep playoff run. I think they're going to have to see Jim Montgomery do it before they really buy in and kind of, accept him as as a great coach and as the right coach for this team. Tough break for 35-year-old Milan Lucic, who made his return to Boston. I'm sure the Lucic sweaters were flying off the rack. Just uh, when you think of the Bruins, you know, I mean, so much history. Uh, growing up in the Boston area with Tricky Rick Middleton and, you know, I just, you know, Bobby Orr, Cam Neely. I mean, the names go on and on. But at the same time, Lucic's special um, in the eyes of uh, Bruins fans forever, especially with that uh, cup run that they had, but uh, took a puck off the ankle, long-term injured reserve. Um, prior to that, how much of an impact was he making in the room? I think I think pretty big impact. Uh, you know, obviously with Bergeron and Krejci retiring, there was a leadership void, and Brad Marchand has filled that as, the captain and they're counting on guys like McAvoy and David Pasternak to sort of take the next step as the new alternate captains. But certainly there was a conscious effort to bring in veteran leaders as well, who could help sort of carry that load. And Lucic was a big part of that. And someone who obviously knows Boston knows what it means to be a Bruin, um, you know, played with Marchand for years, played with Pasternak for one year. Uh, before he got traded. So it, it's still beloved just throughout the organization, yeah. throughout the city, by the Bruins fan base. Um, and on the ice, he he looked he looked pretty rejuvenated in the four games that he did play to start the season. Uh, you know, he was he was moving, he was skating pretty well. He had it played a part in a couple goals, helped set guys up. So um you know, he was looking like a really effective fourth liner. And obviously now, you know, he's going to miss at least a few weeks and we'll have to see what he looks like when he comes back from that foot or ankle injury or, you know, whatever it actually is. But um, yeah, he had, he had definitely brought some energy both on and off the ice. Two players uh, that I definitely wanted to uh, mention, if you want to mention in the podcast that are playing amazing, I mean, obviously Ottinger's playing well behind the, uh, between the pipes. Um, but a Rupe Hints in that first line with Hints, Robertson, uh, and Pavelski. Uh, I don't know how we, we talked about it on a different podcast today. Uh, Scott, I don't know how he does it. He's the slowest, fastest 39 year old. It's, it's amazing <laughs> because, you know, Hints is such a speedster and he's keeping up with him, uh, at times. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And the other one that the stars, we're very fortunate in that he was released uh, from the Panthers, uh, sorry, the Predators, was Matt Duchesne. 
and he's made a, a magnificent magnificent uh, impact on this team. So just wanted to give you a couple of tidbits. Duchesne, uh, five points in the last five games, uh, just just really, really fit in. And what's, what's strange we talked about is Duchesne is playing a physical role, especially in the corners, too. It's kind of a part of the game that we've never seen from Matt Duchesne. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe... A that that the Predators bought him out. Agreed. B that ended up ended up signing for as little as he did. Like that he was a player that came up around here because obviously the Bruins needed center help. And yeah. you know, I don't know if they didn't even have the cap space for, for three million. Uh Bruins were were very tight against the cap, really couldn't do much of anything this offseason. But you know, it, the Bruins have I'm gonna say lucked out, but Finding Potra has certainly helped them yep. fill that center void, but you know, Duchesne's a player who I think would have looked really good here. And uh, yeah, what what a great get for Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, heck of a job with the Skate Podcast up in Boston, Stars fans. If you're a Spits and Suds listener, check out the Skate Podcast. Scott, thank you so much for joining us, and you can check out the Skate Podcast just like Spits and Suds on Odyssey. You're a beast, my friend, and look forward to doing another preview when the stars make their way to uh, Beantown uh, pretty soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Gavin. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And that, my friends, is a Spits and Suds one-timer with Scott McLaughlin previewing the Boston Bruins at the Dallas Stars on Monday. Have a great day, everyone.